Episode 33, Blistering Truths, Part 1. Hi, this is Dragnacarta, DM for Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. You're listening to the Twice Bitten Podcast, a campaign where five Curse of Strahd DMs head back into the mists for a hauntingly familiar adventure. Starring Jack as Betrion, Kaya as Lillison, Linus as Amity, Serena as Kiva, and Twy as Deer. You can catch the horror live every Saturday at 1pm Eastern, 10am Pacific on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rcurseofstrahd, or watch new episodes every Monday on YouTube at youtube.com slash c slash rcurseofstrahd. You can also listen to new episodes of this podcast weekly at anchor.fm slash twice-bitten, or wherever you like to syndicate your podcasts. Now... Let's get right to Ravenloft. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Curse of Strahd Twice Bitten, the show where five DMs take on D&D's top gothic horror campaign. I'm Dragna Carta, your host and DM, and thank you, thank you to all of you lovely Tatianas for continuing to tune in. Speaking of Tatiana, we've got one week left to go until Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft hits the shelves. Who's excited to find out which other NPCs are secretly Tatiana reincarnations? Uh, spoiler alert, I am Tatiana. So I'm just no. everyone in the party. It's great. Is this like an I am Spartacus, like I am Tatiana thing right. that we're all going to yeah, do yes. now? I we'll dye so, your yeah. hair red. It'll be great. Yeah. I mean, so far we've got what, Esmeralda, we've got... Uh, Lissa von Zarevich. Yes, yes, yes. We, and of course, the random, goat herder. Don't forget the goat the, herder. The dragonborn goat herder. So I'm guessing. Spoiler you know, alert, guys. Spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Big, sorry. big old. Yeah, we've got uh, a. I've, I've got it in my notes here. You know, when they get to Argonvost Hall, there's a dragonborn goat herder who's actually Tatiana Fedorovna. So, you know. Oh, Argonvost Hall is just. Yeah. The building is Tatiana. Oh, there's the, the statue is just Tatiana herself. No, no, the actual no, no, building. No, no. The, the actual building. building. Yeah, the, yeah. The reason the book is red is because it's like red hair. Yeah, Tatiana. Uh, well, very symbolic. I'm thinking like maybe Irina. No. No, no. Linus, that's Bullshit. too far. Come on. Right? Where is Irina? What the fuck are you talking about? Get out of here, Linus. Talk. You're Get right. Down. Truffle, though. Truffle could be Tatiana. T Truffle, Tatiana, T. So it all comes together. That's a galaxy brain take. Yeah, he would look great with right here. He would. It's like a lowly and Doug trio. You put it on him and he's just beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. All right. Well, um, as our conspiracy uh, minded minds continue to plunder the depths of Tatiana investigation, uh, I think we are get ready to jump in for this week. So without much further ado, let's get started with Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. A striking elven female with an almost ritualized poise, Kiva Cyrilai always endeavors to be a level-headed mediator and a soothing presence in the lives of all she meets. Determined to look ever forward, she relies on controlling day-to-day -day chaos. Anyone who watches her for long enough, however, can clearly see there's something undeniably feral and unpredictable bubbling under the surface. In the company of these fine strangers, he is just Metrion. But across the Sword Coast, he's known as Metrion the Magnificent. He is a tiefling whose body and dress carry the signatures of a nomadic performer, as evidenced by the rougher edges of his costume and his sinewy frame covered in faded tattoos. 
Though he may not look like a typical magician, rest assured, he cleans up quite handsomely. The well-dressed, well-spoken half-elf who introduced herself as Lilisen has stayed away from the rest of the traveling group during the journey so far. Oh, she's friendly enough if someone strikes up a conversation with her. Charming, even. But left to her own devices, she invariably keeps to herself, and even looks nervous when anyone comes within ten feet of her. Amity, a terrifying deviloid with a tail that will knock your drink over if she gets too excited. Even worse, some pig follows her around and eats almost as much as she does. Yet, she's generous and easy to befriend, especially if you get her talking about her book of fables. Just, if she compares you to a fox, it's hard to tell if that's a compliment. Erythrandir is a high elf man who looks perpetually like he's never quite got enough sleep. After his departure from elven society, he found himself out in the wilderness, working as a ranger in the deep, deep woods. However, this did little to quell his passion for history, and he's found himself on the road to Neverwinter, hoping to track down a book that might hold the answer to a question he's held for a long, long time. And welcome back, everyone. So, last we left off on Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. Following a lead gleaned from Adrian Mordekov, the party ventured to Yester Hill to the southwest, there defeating the tree blight winter splinter that had destroyed the Wizard of Wine's winery and recovering the enchanted gem that the druids of the hill had stolen from the winery mere days prior. Upon returning to Velaki, our companions were met by Nikolai Vokter II, the son of Baroness Fiona Vokter, who invited them to Vokter House to discuss what seemed to be a pressing matter, as Vokter himself called it, a matter of life and death. There, Fiona Vokter entreated the party to bring an end to the scourge of vampiric attacks that had plagued Velaki since the attack on St. Angel's Church, promising funding and testimony from witnesses that had observed prior attacks to guide their search. The party agreed to do their best to assist, therein discussing potential plans for watches upon the town that evening and ventures against the vampires directly the following morning. Upon returning to the Blue Water Inn, after sharing the good news of the gem's recovery with the Mordekov refugees, Kiva and Esmeralda stepped aside to discuss their future and Kiva's tactics in battle. Before departing the inn to ostensibly patrol the town for vampire sightings, and enforcing a curfew with Metreon and Amity, Lillison left a sealed letter with Ismark to be opened in the event that she failed to return to the inn that evening. As Metreon and Amity made their way to the western side of town to speak with Millivoy, the groundskeeper of St. Andrew's Church and a potential witness to the bloody affairs due to the proximity of his home to the church, Lillison slipped away to the eastern side of town, traveling there into Erisek's stockyard. As she knocked on the door of the coffin maker's shop at the close of dusk, she spoke the passphrase, I come in Dostrin's memory, and was admitted into the interior for a surreptitious meeting. Surrounded by coffins and ushered into a silent and foreboding chamber. It was not long before she was met by a familiar, imposing figure 
the dark, red-eyed silhouette of Strahd von Zarevich. And so, Amity and Metreon, with Wilson's footsteps fading into the darkness of the forthcoming dusk behind you, the sky darkening to a shade of deeper gray that dims overhead to an indigo and slowly turns in the distance to a deep black tapestry. You find yourselves passing through the silent town, the streets themselves nearly bare, only occasionally catching a glimpse of a frightened face from behind a shuttered window or a moth-eaten curtain. The lights in the houses on either side flicker faintly as a cold wind stirs the air on either side of the road from which you pass. Proceeding forward through the night, it's not long before you see on the road ahead of you, just the southern side of the empty street, directly opposing St. Andrew's Church, the dark husk of the sanctuary lying darkened in sharp relief to your previous visit, Metreon. On a far brighter and more colorful night, now it stands silent and evidently empty. But that's not the reason you're here. Instead, as your gaze turns to the opposite side of the road, following the directions of Fiona Vokter's guards' guidance, you see there a small structure, more of a cottage than a townhouse, as befits the area around it small, a simple structure of wooden siding and a thatched roof stained with mud and the grime of years. A pair of dirty windows shuttered tight from the uh, angle from which you look. A simple flickering light on the opposite side. Though, for the shutters and the old threadbare curtains, you cannot catch a glimpse of anything on the other side. There's a small stoop leading up to the door. The paint that once stood there stripped down over years and years of abandonment and disuse. But you can tell by the many footsteps up and down the stairs leading to the entrance that, at some point at least, the muddy pathway has continued to be well used in recent times. Go On the way time. there... Uh... Do, do we have any time to have time to talk tactics? I think you would. By now, you, you're kind of, you haven't approached it yet. I would say it's within eyesight if you'd like to get closer. But you have some time to yourselves. Uh, yeah, uh, Metreon will have donned his uh, his more humanoid disguise. Uh, it'll turn to Amity. So what's the game plan here? Well, um, <clears throat> we should make sure... Well, first of all, to warn people about what might happen tonight. But I guess we, we don't want them to panic either. D do you think that this church would count as a place that the they couldn't go into? No, they went into it 
well, that that other night without being invited. No, I, I feel like the church is a no-go. Oh, but, but this Millivoy boy, uh, this Millivoy, was his name right? Yeah, he, uh, right. I mean, what do we ask him? What do we say? I mean, he, uh, yeah, maybe he's seen, seen this creature and whatnot, but what if I mean, he's not willing to cooperate? Why wouldn't he be? Do you think someone's threatening him or? Oh no, I'm just, I'm just throwing out hypotheticals, you know. Uh, we haven't, you know, our, our track record with, uh, with engaging with people uh, has been a little bit spotty. Uh, and yet, Lilithan not being here, she's usually the diplomatic kind. Uh, not that you ain't got the, the, the gift of gab. Uh, I do too, but I feel like she's got a bit of a, a different touch to it. Uh, I guess I'm just saying I'm nervous right now. Sure. I guess I'm I'm less nervous, but I I get where you're coming from. Um. So let's say that for some reason, Milvage is being shifty and and doesn't want to say anything to us. Um. I guess we could tell him that we can guarantee his safety, like give him a, a residence to stay in tonight. Yeah, I mean, that's his residence. I mean, he could just stay in there. Uh, do we use more... Uh, and uh, Netron kind of cracks his knuckles. Uh, do we use more forceful tactics if we need to? Um, that seems like a not great idea. Last resort, then, yeah. Well, maybe, you know, maybe yeah. have your, uh, what's that, the zone of truth that you got going. Maybe have that ready to go. Um, I'll, I'll have it ready to go. I hope I won't have to use it. I'm just I going mean, expecting the worst and hoping for the best. Right. You have a thing that you sometimes do that I think Ethan just called you out on before. A Metron his eyes dart around trying to figure out what you're talking about. Has, has Earthenbeer actually called you out on using the friend spell? Because if, if not, he has. He is okay. called, he's called him out on using suggest, uh, the suggestion spell and not. Uh, oh, the, oh, the right. Stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, but this is more Metreon being shifty, not, not as if he doesn't know what he's talking about, but. Do you think that that would work? Or I mean, cause, cause sometimes, um, I mean, people do get angry if they're being, Mind controlled. You say it's mind control. I just say it's you know maybe in, uh, extra persuasive. But you know when we get there, if he's not uh, he's not too keen on us, then I can try some stuff. All right, but if first and second result result are just being friendly and welcoming and heroically persuasive. I'll let you take the charge on that then. And then if you need some, some backup, I'll be right right there behind you. And, you know, bring Truffle out too. Uh, he's you know, got a friendly face. All right. As you're standing there, you hear a soft snuffle from Truffle as he kind of uh, wiggles his little head out of Amity's pack and snuffles happily toward you. As he does so, he suddenly winces as you hear the squealing, not of a pig, but of rusted iron against metal. 
glancing back to the north side, you see the rusted iron gate to the church cemetery just faintly swinging, squealing very quietly as its hinges grate against one another. In the area around you here, the wind pick up, the deeper breeze stirring up, cutting through the chill of the night as the leaves of the trees around you rustle, like whispering. Yeah, there's a moment where Amity is walking and Metreon sort of pauses when he sees the the gate to the cemetery just swaying back and forth. Uh, and she would probably catch him uh, not following her for a moment. Uh, he's just kind of staring at the, the swaying gate and uh, shuddering a bit. Uh, but when he realizes he's caught in that moment, he uh, looks back up at Amity and does a little bit of a scuttle to rush up back to, to follow her. You pass away from the center of the road and begin approaching the small home uh, labeled to you as Middle of Boys Residence. Um, as you do, you can see again the faint flickering of candlelight through the darkened windows, though from here you cannot make any silhouettes out uh, in the interior. Uh, if you'd like, uh, are you going to knock on the door? What are your intentions? Yeah, I mean, we could just knock on the door, right? We ain't got nothing to... We don't need to sneak in or something, do we? I mean, we can if you want, but... Go yeah, as, as they... As they pass the cemetery, Truffle sort of sniffs invitingly, but is, is torn away to follow them. Um, yeah, uh, when Metreon says that, Amity just knocks on the door. Okay. Um... You knock on the door, and for a moment you hear the creaking of wood on the other side, and then there's complete silence for a few moments. Um, another second passes, and you think you hear the sound of distant whispering from the opposite side of the door, and then... Quiet again. Uh, Amity knocks again, but this time she does, um, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Alright. Um, there's a few moments of pause, and then you hear a ragged voice from the other side of the door sound out. Who's that? Who's, who's there? Um... It's, it's me, Amity, and my friend. She lets Metreon finish the sentence in case he wants to fill in a fake name. He just shakes his head. No. And we're, well, we're, we're trying to protect people. So we just want to maybe ask a few questions about how we could track down that horrible monster that's been wandering through the town. You hear another pair of creaking floorboards uh, growing slightly closer. <laughs> I, I don't know what this is or what you're trying, but if this is some... This, this is some new trick by you, demon. What do you mean, new? I know that for a fact that there would 
There should be nobody out this time of night. If Would you mind uh, if we would have this conversation inside? Uh, in, if, you, if you think that we're vampires, you could open the door and then definitely not invite us in and then watch as we take a step in. Do you think that I don't know what you might be capable of? I'm, I'm not... I'm not opening the damn door. What You're do you not going to get your teeth into a single one of anybody in here. Good sir, I can assure you that we are not uh, of any kind of in-dead persuasion. Uh, please, we are only asking for conversation. If you would like, you may uh, cover your eyes, avert them. We too know the, uh, the horrible tricks that uh, these creatures play, so we are sympathetic to you, empathetic even. But this would be a conversation better served indoors, away from whatever might be lurking outside. And furthermore, uh, should we not be human, would you want to be held responsible for two others uh, who would fall victim to this creature? There's a pause. Um, you almost feel like a moment of uncertainty, then you hear. If you're not with the demon and you chose to be out here, then that's, that, that's on you. If we you want to, to be talk, out I here, can't stop you. But I'm not opening the door. We choose to be out here to protect your, your people. I, I, I really understand you not wanting to open the door, and it's smart to keep yourself safe. Can we have a conversation through the door? Because all, all we want to do is ask um, Milvaj some questions. Is, is Milvaj there? I, I'm Milvoy, yes. Oh, sorry, Milvoy. What do you want? Um, we wanted to know where it was you saw that thing. Seen it? We don't see it, we hear it. Every night. What claws, claws on the rooftops. Screams across the way. He keeps whispering to me. If you can make it stop, then make it stop, but... Does he whisper to you? It's... I don't know. I, I think... I, I don't know what it is trying to do. It's just... I just want it gone, okay? I can't... We, we know we're not safe here. You shouldn't stick around either, you're not safe either. Um, can I get like a, a read on him a little bit through the door? I know that it's just Make audio. an insight check with disadvantage. Okay. gonna be a 10. 10? Tough to tell. Uh, from what you can glean, this guy certainly sounds nervous and pretty shaken. So, I can tell that you're in distress. and My friend and I mean you no harm whatsoever, but I feel like this is a discussion that we should have face-to-face, -face, if you don't mind. 
I can't. I can't do that. I'm so. I'm sorry. Metron just gives this shrug of a shoulder uh, look to Amity. What can, what can we do? I can, I can break in, but I feel like that's not going to be good fife. Amity whispers to Metreon, why do you want to do it face to face? Are you planning on casting something? No, but I want to know if he's hiding something. And you can't tell that easily if, you know, you can't see him. You know, maybe he's been hurt or something, or maybe, he, you know, maybe he's got something inside that he's trying to hide. As soon as you say that, Amity, you hear Truffle whimpering softly, wriggling in the bag on your back. And as you do, the wind suddenly turns, and you smell sharply from behind you the smell of stale earth and the scent of rot mixed with a coppery scent. Yamati leans down to um, head behind Trouble's ears and simultaneously whips her head around to see what's there. You glance around and for an instant across the opposite side of the street, through your dark vision's gaze, you see a silhouette in the darkness, crouched down low, not in the street, but as your eyes move upward atop the very roof of the church and then you blink and it vanishes Metron starts pounding on his on the door all right let us in let's in right now come on something outside you hear a mournful reply from inside as Milova says I'm sorry I, I can't I can't risk it Oh, fuck this. And uh, Metreon gets out his thieves' tools and he's going to try and pick the lock. All right. And as you do so, Emity, as you watch, uh, Metreon begin fiddling uh, with the door. And immediately upon doing so, see that there is no lock, but only a handle. Amity's not watching Metreon. She's looking around to see if she can catch another glimpse of this thing, and if there's any other residences nearby that might be open or abandoned. All right. Make a perception check. Okay. 15. All right. And hold on to that, because we'll come back to it. Kiva and Erthrandir. Across the town, at the Central Avenue and intersection where the Blue Water Inn lies, the two of you find yourselves in the northern guest room of the Blue Water Inn, trancing quietly, meditating upon visions of the past, dreams of what was or what may be, your minds a torrent in the twisted tranquility of Elven Rest. As you do, however, it's not long 
after the others have departed that you hear a frantic knock on the door. Erthrandir starts upright. You get the impression that he wasn't even trancing in the first place. He just kind of had his eyes closed. And he blurrily struggles out of his cocoon of blankets and walks to the door. Uh, what is it? You open on the, the door uh, to see on the other side Esmeralda uh, fully armed and looking at you with a serious look in her eyes. Es? What's, what's going on? I've got bad news. Um, specifically. Um, but actually, a bit of a question first. You mentioned that um, when you spoke with uh, uh, Zipperanes, yes, that um, you had some information, some lead um, about some person who might have information on the attacks? I... Yeah, that's. I think that's what Matreon and Amity were going to try and sort out. Right. Do you remember where it was? Uh, I think near the church. What? Why? What is this? Right. Get the rest. Get your weapons. We've, we've got to go. What's going on, Is? I spoke with Erwin. I wanted to see if there was anything he knew, you know. Spy master and all. I wanted to see if he, had, he knew anything. From what he said, that night we were here uh, a few nights back, that wasn't the only time that uh, some undead has haunted the inn. Erwin sent a tale after it this morning, in fact, just before dawn. It managed to slip away the previous nights, but he managed to follow it this time. And so they lost it before it vanished. The last place they saw it was the graveyard of the church. Shit, Kiva! Yeah, Kiva sort of startles awake uh, out of her, uh, not awake, but out of her trance. Uh, and seeing as all armored and, and Arthur and Jir panicked, she's uh, up on her feet right away. What? What's going on? There, the, as just heard from Erwin, there's the place where Amity and Metreon just went to get information is maybe where the vampires are coming from. Oh, okay. So we've got to go then. Um, yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, just give me give me one moment. I'll I'll get dressed and I'll meet you downstairs. Of course. As Erthrandir starts rooting through his things, dark circles beneath his eyes, and then looks up at Ez. I, as I'm running on fumes here, I've got a weird request of you. I you would you mind if I borrowed your rapier? I I remember last time I was trying to I couldn't even make a dent on these things, and without magic, I might need an actual weapon that can cut through that hide if I want to actually do anything. She blinks and then nods. Right. Um, that might not be a bad idea. Here. And she uh, takes it out of uh, the sheath and tosses it to you. Hilt side first. He catches it, kind of marveling at the weight for a moment before stowing it. Thank you. Let's do this. You hear footsteps uh, coming up uh, the uh, stairs from outside, and as you do, you see the door open, and you see uh, Ismark and Irina looking a bit concerned. A bit tired, but Ismark's brow is furrowed. Irina's looking more worried than anything. Is everything alright? We need to go. There's a, the vampires uh, near the church, where Metreon and Amity are, um, so uh, 
we just we just need to go. She's like saying this as she's getting her armor back on and you know like strapping herself into the tatters and uh, she leaves the mace uh, on the bed and takes the sun sword with her this time because she's not taking any chances with a non-magical weapon. I'm gonna quickly nod. Shit! Right, all right, we're here with you. Lead the way. All right. Yeah, once we've both kind of frantically put our clothes on and gotten everything we've needed, Aerith's running full tilt for the church. Same, same with Kiva. She's sprinting her little ass off. Okay. With that, the group of you swiftly exit the inn and begin making your way, hearts pounding in your chests through the dark straits toward the western side of town. Townhouses flying on either side of you, your vision locked to the western road ahead. On the eastern side of town, however. So listen, as your greeting echoes to the dark chamber of the coffin maker's shop, Strahd laughs softly. Well, it is indeed a pleasure to have you this evening. Might I assume that you have exercised proper discretion? Of course, my lord. I believe that it would be disadvantageous to both of us if there were anybody else who knew of this meeting. Excellent. I suspected that I had not gone wrong in selecting you. I am indeed pleased to have you here this evening. We have much to discuss. And though from what I can tell from the look in your eye, I assure you, my dear, I mean you no harm. Lillison smiles a little bit. I am pleased to hear it. I am most curious what it is that you believe we have to discuss. But of course. But before I do so, please, if you would not mind uh, my asking, and he steps toward the table and takes a seat across from you. Your time in my lands of Barovia. Your compatriots seem quite dedicated to their aims, certain goals that I understand might diverge at times. What of you, Lillicent? What do you desire within my lands? What do you seek to strive for? Lillison looks down at her hands, and she sort of self-consciously closes her hand around her focus. What do I desire in your lands? 
It is much the same question as what I desire. Well, anywhere. For the moment, that is merely to gather enough information about, well, myself and my surroundings, to be well enough informed of what possibilities there are, that I may know in what direction I may place my future desires. Such foresight and, well, I must say I am intrigued by one who holds her options so open. Then again, I suppose I should not have expected anything less. From what I have seen of your capabilities, arcane and otherwise, I suppose it should come as no surprise that you are one who, tre tre who treasures the call of the freedom of one's own choices above others. Why, one might compare you almost to a dragon of sorts, soaring above the land, searching for a place to call one's own. After all, I'm sure no dragon would seek to see themselves locked away in a tower. Such majestic creatures deserve better. Don't you think? Lillison looks at him, kind of with a smile on her lips and wariness in her eyes. Well, I can understand your desire to glean potential courses of action. So perhaps I shall offer a course of my own. As I have mentioned in our previous correspondence, I believe that you may be uniquely suited for a certain gift that I see fit to share those with those I deem worthy of my attentions. As I've heard from you, no doubt, you seem to have a unique relationship with the veil between this life and the next. A fragile thing I've seen for those that linger on one side or the other, but to those that stand with one foot on either side, a twilight, if you will. Life is itself so much more vast. You are extremely perceptive, my lord. This is not something that I had mentioned to many others. Perhaps, but, my dear, I'd have my ways of understanding the histories of those who passed through my domain. He 
reaches a hand out toward you and without asking just gently traces a long elegant fingernail down your cheek compared to the touch of your friends that you felt for a long time his feels ordinary not like the burning heat that you felt from the human contact of late but like a person just touching it is little secret to me that you already have yourself one foot beyond the grave my dear it is impressive that by sheer will and defiance that you yourself have resisted the pull beyond then again such is the existence of all of us who choose to dwell at that twilight between life and death after all, we've seen that one cannot last long in the former before passing into the latter. He smiles, then pulls his finger back from your clammy skin. And from what I can sense, you have been already touched by perhaps as dark powers, if not darker than I. So Lillison actually, when he touches her, she stiffens for a moment, but she doesn't pull away. She seems to allow this touch fairly readily. And her eyes just narrow a little bit as he continues speaking. And she says, You say you chose this. I've chosen many things. I've chosen... What I would become, I've chosen what I would remain. But if you refer to my current fate, my current existence, then yes, I embraced it with open arms. For you see, I think that the two of us may be more alike in that, like you, I myself have always sought to see no end the opportunities that lay before me. But beyond that, I embraced my current status as a defiance, one might say. You interest me exceedingly, my lord. And you, I. But if we are to proceed in our conversation, I must say that, above all else, I respect power, will, intellect, all things that you have shown. And it is rare from time to time that I see one who might be worthy enter my lands of the gifts that I have been stowed with. But should you wish it, well, what say you? I must confess to some curiosity why do you feel you wish to share this gift? 
Is it purely out of some sense of magnanimity? Not at all, my dear. Let me tell you a story of a man, a powerful man, of magic and wisdom of many, many years. You see, when I first came to this valley, the castle upon Ravenloft was a mere ruin, a desecration of empire's past. One of those who raised it to its current glory was a magist, a man of many talents, whose skill and knowledge of the arcane arts was in many ways unparalleled. Kazan, he was named, an archmage, and, well, similar to myself, I presume. Upon arriving in the valley, he could not abide to leave it. And yet one day when I came into my power, as I am today on this eternal twilight, never ending, he was one of the few that I saw could rival me in what I had become. I could have destroyed him, seeing him as a rival to my power. I could have reduced his faculties to those of a slave thrall to my will. But instead, I chose to make Kazan my advisor in magic for the rest of his natural lifespan. Tell me, why might I have done so? I take it that the two of you would have been greater and grander with your forces joined together, then you would have either fighting each other or having one of you destroy the other? Is that, in fact, how it worked out? He smiles. Perceptive and entirely accurate. For you see, one man alone is capable of much, but with partners in power. When I saw Kazan and looked into his spirit, I saw a soul that I respected, a creature that understood what it was to strive for power, what it was to possess that strength in a world that so often seems so far below, a world that can so often misunderstand the nature of power. I am sure that you, in your political experience, I presume, understand that no transaction is wholly benevolent. And I confess, our meeting tonight is certainly not one that is wholly altruistic. I myself believe that it would be to my benefit to welcome an advisor, a vizier, if you would, at my side. One whose lifespan would not flicker out like a mayfly's, but whose wisdom could someday grow to echo mine. But in order to do so, well, 
world, it would be always a shame to me to let such a beautiful specimen of intellect and will fade away. It is not my choice to make. So I ask you, Lillison, faced with such a prospect, what would you respond with? I believe that you will not be surprised when I say I would wish to know a great deal more about what is involved before I can say firmly either way. Strahd nods. Very well. I can understand trepidation or interest in methods, but for the goal itself, Lillison, you yourself, I understand, by your stature, your visage, a half-elf does live longer than the blinking lifespan of a human or a dragonborn, say. But to explore such opportunities for eternity, would you not be interested? I had not exactly given much thought to the prospects that immortality might open up. If it is indeed immortality you gesture at, I had been mostly hoping not to get cut down within the next few days or weeks. Perhaps that is a very limited bound of ambition at the moment, but you must agree that it has seemed rather likely in the last few weeks and months that I and all my traveling companions might be torn apart at a moment's notice. He smiles and then holds out his arm across the table toward you. You have some weapon upon you, I presume, my dear. She looks at him, just kind of like, slightly confused. He meets her gaze expectantly. A dagger, a blade of some kind. No? He quirks an eyebrow. Very well, then. Allow me to execute a... isolated exhibition. He draws his claw, long, sharp, and elegant, and then slowly, without breaking contact with your gaze, drags his claw deep across the, the flesh of his wrist. You watch as a deep gouge erupts there, faded red blood welling from the wound. And then he simply takes a deep breath. And as you watch before your eyes, the flesh almost immediately knits itself back together. 
Survival is the goal of every life form. Immortality can come in many places, in many forms. And I assure you, the results would be no different were I to cut open my own chest and tear free my heart. So, as I believe the children say, my dear, cards on the table. Are you interested? I must confess, I have a great deal of interest. I still believe that there is very likely something that, well, strings attached, you might say. And I understand that this may not be something that I am to know of immediately. But understand that when I say that I will attend to what you have to say with great interest, it does not come from a place of greed for life or fear of death. But the natural curiosity to see what may lie beyond a very ornately decorated door. There is, I believe, a great deal more going on. I am not the sort of person to turn my back upon that. He smiles, and you see a flash of immaculate white fangs post poking down past his lower lip. Well then, in that case, I would be more than glad to discuss the particulars of the gift of blood and of life eternal. And as those words leave his mouth, on the west side of town, Amity, as you glance frantically around the homes and residences and street around you, your breath pauses for a moment, and then briefly you catch sight of the silhouette once more, no longer on the opposite side of the street, but on a rooftop, three structures down, and then you blink and it vanishes again into the night. Metron, as you fiddle frantically with the door, you reach for it and find to your horror as you struggle to find a lock for your thieves' tools. There's no lock at all, just a handle. When I see that, uh, while screaming, uh, let us suffocate, uh, I'm going to start shouldering the door, trying to bust it down. Every time you do, you oh, hear the frame shudder and quake as you hear the thwack of wood against wood. Amity, what are you doing? 
you said three structures. Is it three structures further away or three structures closer? Uh, three. It's uh, three houses down away from you. The as you look hey, at I'll... it, the closest impression you can get is of something circling. I'll, I'll tell Matron it 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 went further away. But yeah, um, if, if it's just like a you know, if they're trying to hold the door shut. Amy will try to help Metreon get it open. All right, uh, Metreon, if you'd like to make a, I believe this would be an athletics check with advantage since Amity is helping. Yes, please. Ah, uh, my my most powerful stat minus one. Let's let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Will it be? <laughs> so, uh, so it's so without advantage, it was a natural one, so a zero, uh, and then uh, with advantage, it's a two, so a one. Beautiful. With that, uh, as you move quickly toward the door, the two of you slamming your weights against it, uh, it trembles, uh, shaking in its uh, in its frame, uh, and as you do, you hear uh, voices from the other side, footsteps rapidly moving toward the door. Uh, as you hear uh, Milivoy's voice uh, echoing, and as you feel another weight pushing up against the door from the opposite side. What are you doing? What's, what's, what are you doing out there? Please just let us the fuck in. I can't. You let it in. It's, you know, it's... it's not how it works. Come on. You hear above you the scrabbling of uh, claws scraping across wood, the sound of the thatched roof uh, crinkling and cracking as if a great weight is placed upon it. You looked around, were there any other obviously uh, like abandoned houses or such? Um, make a perception check for me. Uh, yeah, sure. That's going to be an easy 13. Okay. Uh, glancing across the way, uh, you see in the area immediately around you... Let me check something real quick. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, roll on those tables a hundred times, please. Um, in your immediate vicinity, given the constraints of your... Um, uh, 60 foot dark vision I would say that you can see that there are several houses around you you can see that um, three of them appear to be lit and two of them appear to be uh, darkened um, of those two darkened structures one of them uh, you can see that the uh, door um hangs uh, fairly limply in its frame. Okay. Amity's going to give one more shot at trying to pull the door open, uh, but should that fail, she will then head towards the limp door. Uh, Metron will help start, like, realizing that he's got no upper body strength. He's going to start trying to kick it in with uh, Amity or trying to pull it open. I assume it opens inward, not outward. All right, so Amity, you're making one last check at Millivoy's uh, door before heading to the new one. 
Yeah, if that's uh, if that's allowed. Yeah, you can make another athletics check of advantage with Metreon helping. Uh, just a 24. Just, okay. Um, you glance around, make a quick mental calculation, realizing the sheer distance of the darkened doors that you saw, and immediately kind of pulling together some note of adrenaline in, your, in the back of your uh, chest. As you hear from above you this faint, rasping gasp of terrible lurking. You turn your shoulder inward, just your vision flaring red for a second, and the two of you moving together and slamming against the door. You hear something crack and then crash to the ground as uh, several bodies on the opposite side go tumbling away. And you find yourselves both sprawled on the floor of the small cottage before you. Shut the door, shut the door. Yeah, Mitreon sort of falls down on, on all fours, and then, realizing that he's now inside, he uses his boot to kick the door uh, shut. Grabs Truffle, make sure he's uh, inside. Truffle squeals, uh, happy to be uh, pulled in with you. Uh, the door slams shut behind you, and as you do, you glance around to the area that you've entered. You see that you find yourselves in a small, one-story residence, uh, just very faintly illuminated by the flickering of a lone candle at the opposite end of the room. You see there, beneath the candlelight, a single moth-eaten bed with three young children crammed together onto its surface, holding a moth-eaten blanket up over their chests and the lower halves of their faces. You see two others, uh, somewhat older, perhaps preteens, pressing themselves up against the far wall, one of them holding what seems to be a uh, very uh, faded, uh, ragged uh, tin knife of sorts, the other one clutching a particularly large rock, both their eyes wide toward you. Um, beside them, you see a stained armchair resting uh, very near to a fireplace, um, and then kind of crumpled on the ground, but quickly pulling himself up, uh, you see a... Uh, brawny lad um, uh, appro approaching the end of his adolescent years, a furrowed brow, uh, his eyes wide, um, quickly struggling to push himself up, his uh, dark hair uh, pushing out of his eyes as he reaches grabbing across the floor for, uh, you see, an old shovel that he quickly grabs and pulls close to him as he scrabbles to his feet. What the hell? You, you can't just do that. And yet we did. Thank you for the hospitality, by the way. <sighs> Amity kneels and holds her arms up. Metron's doing the opposite. He, in the process of doing all of this, uh, had drawn his dagger, so he's just standing, uh, obviously out of breath, uh, still wielding a dagger, but not in an offensive way, just like at his side. Ain't gonna hurt you if you just, just let us be, all right? The thing is, and uh, Metron looks up to the roof, up to the ceiling. Things right over us right now. So if you just let us stay here while it passes, 
Ayun ko na binaw siya ako. Milvoy just closes his eyes and shakes his head. It's not going to pass. It might come and go until morning, but... Demons don't go away that easily. Well then I guess we stay in here till morning. We've got some lodges then. He grits his teeth and immediately opens his voice as if to opens his mouth as if to object. And as he does, you hear creaking from the wooden frame of the rooftop above you, and a whisper, rasping, that echoes from above. Do we hear what the what what's being whispered? As you hear. Come now, open the door, little ones. Please, you know what you did. What you brought, what you took, join me. Um... Does that voice sound familiar at all? No. Not even slightly. And as that rasping voice echoes through the cottage, you see the Milvoy stiffen, holding a shovel to his chest, one of the children close to the wall, silently sobbing. Meanwhile, across the town... Kiva and Erthrandir continue across town. As you pass through the darkened streets, uh, Esmeralda, Irina, and Ismark following in behind you, you can see on occasion the flickering lights in the windows around you, terrified faces watching distantly. But for you, you keep pounding forward. Your gaze is set, your frame set. Um, is there anything you'd like to do as you travel toward the location? Uh, only when they're close enough to have eyes on like the graveyard and stuff will I think she'd, if there's time to like do a bonus action, she would probably power up her lightsaber. Um, but only when they're within, like, eye range of of the graveyard. Yeah, and I think while they're running, Erythrindir is going to catch up to Kiva and st stumbling, like, obviously at it on his last legs, lay a hand on her shoulder, and let a sparkling lattice of magic crisscross her as he casts mage armor. There. Oh! We're... We're not leaving these fuckers behind this time. They're not hurting anybody else. So let's make sure that you they don't get to hurt you either. Look, I, I know you're you're um you're not feeling great and, and maybe you didn't um get the rest that you need, but um look, don't be don't be a hero, okay? This if it gets dicey, just you know, stay behind and, and, and don't get yourself killed. He gives a half hearted little nod, but 
it's pretty clear his heart's not in it. We need you alive. You're you're better at magic than any one of us. Okay, we need you, and Amity needs you, and so just just be smart, like you always are. Yeah, I know. Y'all need me alive. That is kind of the central thing. All right, oh, let's go day. kill a vampire. Yeah. You continue moving forward through the streets, uh, huffing and panting uh, as you proceed ahead. It's not long, only a few minutes at full speed before you see the dark silhouette of the church coming into view. As you do, you can just faintly see and hear the quiet squealing of the rusted iron gate there as the chill wind picks up around you, leaves rustling faintly across the ground and in the alleyways. And then Kiva. You see on a rooftop to the southwest, a crouching silhouette pressed down almost with its face just over top of the rooftop of one of the homes. At this point, I presume you haven't activated the sword yet. Um, yeah, at the second she sees forward, that creature, hear, yeah. As it does, however, you do hear the sound of flapping leathery wings in the sky above you. And as you glance up, you see that your passage through the streets appears to be very closely watched by a small black winged shape. Red eyes boring down on the street below. Yeah, she just sort of look up at them and, uh, you know, obviously not knowing that Lillison is actively betraying the party right now, uh, she will just say, come to watch the show and, uh, and kick the light on the sun sword and uh, bear down on the creature on the wolf, uh, or on the roof, hmm. I suppose. Hey, DM, how many of those creatures are there? Uh, make a perception check with disadvantage for me. Sure thing. But she did just light up the sun sword, so... This is true, uh, but the radius is only around... I, I would say it's light. Hey, radical. Yeah. I would say still disadvantage at this distance. Ah. Eleven. From here, you can only see the one shape atop the rooftop. <sighs> Damn it. All right. Nothing doing, then. Yeah, so once she's within, like, sort of um, eyesight range, she's going to call up to whatever's on the rooftop and uh, say, Hey, uh, you mind leaving them alone and come play with me for a little bit? As she says, as you say this, uh, the sun sword in your hand, I presume you're, you're, you said you were activating it, right? Yep. All right, it blazes to life, uh, casting a sharp, radiant illumination across the street around you. Uh, Esmeralda uh, pulls up to your side, drawing forth uh, the short sword from her scabbard. As you do, you immediately see the silhouette atop of the roof twist toward you. Uh, Metron Amity, inside of the small home, you hear Kiva's voice ringing out through the streets. 
Metron whips its head towards the front door and uh, goes to it and opens it. I assume I see her down the street. With, like, yes, the review, uh, you see uh, Kiva and Erythrinder and the others coming up at the street. Kiva brandishing the sun sword. Uh, even as you do, you hear Milova point you. No, don't! Kiva, Kiva! And I start to call out to her. Uh, I stick my arm out, just kind of waving her in. Kiva doesn't go in um she's she's you know uh but she will call back and she'll say uh no don't don't worry about it if you need to stay in there that's fine keep everyone inside um but i've got as and ismark and irina and ari with me so maybe um maybe you and amity could could join us because this might get ugly metron looks back to amity to see what her reaction is to that Oh, remember, we we don't. Oh, oh wait. So Amity can see that uh, Kiva has the sun sword just turned on, right? Yes. Jesus Christ. Um. Okay. All right. Change of plans. Anyone who might have possibly seen that needs to die. Also, turn it off, please. Uh. Are you forgetting that we're like hunting a, a vampire, right? I'm not turning it off. It's going also, to kill Also, the two of you are like 40 feet apart right now. Yeah, like she's like shouting this. I'm not doing it. It's not happening. If you want me to back up and like yell into the mic, I will. Uh, <laughs> 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 you're speaking, you're communicating with great volume. Um, Sign language, it's fine. As you, as you do, uh, Kiva, in response to this conversation you hear a rasping voice from atop the roof of the home new guests new friends new ones welcome to the blessed sleep perhaps it crawls forward across the roof eyes wide and then for a moment you catch a glimpse of the creature there and then it screams as the illumination of the sunlight of the sun sword sweeps across it. Immediately you watch as burns begin erupting across its flesh, uh, searing in places, uh, long red charred scars running across the skin of its wrists and hands where it has fallen into the light. And as it screams, it quickly twists and then vanishes into the darkness behind. But for a split second, you see its features. The body stained with mud and earth, clothes ragged and torn and ruined. Across the mouth, red uh, stains of blood echoed all across the chest and the neck, the hands and the wrists themselves drenched in almost a bathing of red blood. The flesh, pale eyes, dark, and fingernails lengthened into long, yellowish claws. And as the creature screams, you see its head flail back above its shoulders, and you see half of the throat has been torn away, leaving the esophagus poking barely 
through the flesh. And then it twists and vanishes into the night. Airsinger's going after it. We're following. Yeah, she's like, she's yeah. also going after it as well. Yeah. There's yeah. Not... No. No way. Can't just vanish unless it teleports. She's like trying to keep completely on its tail the entire time. Yep. All of you make perception checks with disadvantage, please. Sunsword. Yeah. Why do uh, I get is... disadvantage? <laughs> because you have no guarantee that it'll be within that thirty foot radius. All right. Oh, damn. Uh, that's a nine. That's an 11. Uh, Kiva's going to use her divine sense. Oh, right. <laughs> What's the radius on that? 60 feet. Okay. I would say that there's a moment when you see chasing along after it. Um, it winks out of your sight for a moment uh, as each of you speeds down the street after it. Um, for a moment, it vanishes from your sight, um, each of you missing its uh, visage or silhouette in the darkness. And then, Kiva, you close your eyes and draw on the new senses to which you have attuned, uh, pulling on something deep within your spirit beyond the body. And there at your core, you feel burning the strength of the oath you swore. And without even opening your eyes, you can feel it a dark, purplish malevolence burning just atop the a rooftop at the opposite side of the street. Not 45 feet away. Yeah, she... Uh, oh, yeah, she's on it right there. Uh, she'll call to the others, and she's, like, sprinting there to try to catch up and take a swing if, if she can get close enough. Likewise. Of course. Okay. Uh, well, the... I guess the three of you are chasing after this. What is Metreon doing? Uh, Metreon, he, he hangs back for a moment as Amity rushes out. He looks to Millivoy and the kids who are tucked away. Just just staying here, right? And he has a sinking feeling, uh, especially with what that creature said. Um, it kind of gives a, a bit of a suspicious glance over at Millivoy uh, before seeing the others rush out. And uh, he follows them not as uh, not as uh, hurriedly as the others but he shuts the door behind him making sure that they're safe uh and yeah he'll follow okay so the four of you joined by esmeralda irena and esmark uh begin thundering through the streets uh guided by flashes of a of uh, kiva's divine sense the sun sort of blazing a brilliant trail of radiance and leading the way forward before you Occasionally, Kiva, you watch as the silhouette bobs and weaves across the tops of the roofs, uh, dipping out of your sight, uh, vanishing from the way, and then reappearing, popping up again, up, up once again, uh, scant moments later. Every each time it ducks out of view, soon a part of it, a part of it just pops up again uh, somewhere within sight, and instantly you recognize where to go. Yeah, she uh, stays close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You follow it, tailing it through the alleyways. Um, is there anything you'd like to do as you give chase? Uh, is there ever a point at which we get within 30 feet? Um, I would say at this particular point, no. All right, then yeah, keep up. Same, same, same. 
Okay. Same, but at the back party. Same, but I'm also going to roll in the spirit table. Yes. Yes! I'm really sad I'm out of spell slots. Okay, uh, as you do, uh, Kiva, you hear in the back of your mind a uh, trill of joy and fury as the Sun Swords Bond sings in your mind, uh, encouraging, pushing, and you see in your mind's eye the nimbus of light the blade creates, expanding as if to swallow the entire sector of town. Yeah, she'll just, uh, you know, send back her own encouragement and uh, happiness. And uh, it sort of like pushes her to run faster. And and she gets this like renewed sense of energy, even if it's, uh, you know, like a placebo thing. Um, but she's she's still giving chase uh, hardcore. Sure. Uh, as you do, you hear, you know, echoing in the back of your mind again, uh, that same sense of an invitation. Um, and as you see in your mind's eye once more, the uh, nimbus of light expanding, the sun sort of beckoning toward you as if only asking for your ascent. Yeah, she will uh, She will respond in whatever way it wants her to. <laughs> to. All right. As, as soon as you do so, the light around the blade means immediately begins to grow brighter, more luminous. And you watch as the light begins to cast outward, surging in size by the moment, as more and more of the area around you is consumed by the blinding radiance of the sunblade. As, uh, assuming Kiva continues to ascend to it, the sun sword continues to expand its radius. Yeah, she will, uh, <laughs> this is new to her and, and very exciting. So um, she will, as much as it can engage, uh, uh, enlarge, it will, uh, she will allow it. Okay, so. As you do, you find yourself slowed for a moment. Um, pulling yourself to the rear of the uh, party. Uh, but for a moment, just as you find, you know, with your senses, the silhouette beginning to slip out of the way, the sun sword gives a surge of righteous fury and the globe of light put out by it expands to a massive scale 60 feet perhaps in either direction and just on the very boundary of it you hear a scream as the vampire you presume is caught once more in its circumference it immediately switches directions and then dives off the side of the rooftop that it had been roaming atop, vanishing down off to the side into the alleyway on the opposite end. She'll um, follow it down the alley, yeah. Or, so we're all within 60 feet of it, or are some of us behind? Yes, I'd say you're all within 60 feet. Okay. While it's on top of a rooftop, can Amity cast Shatter on it and the rooftop below it, hoping to make it uh, fall as the rooftop collapses? Ooh, nice. okay. That's pretty sexy. I can allow it. Um, all right, so that'll be a constitution saving throw, I guess. Uh, yeah, it will. All right, I will say that, you know, Kiva can point out exactly where it is. I would say, um, 
That's what Radius Sphere is pretty substantial. I'd say that, you know, you can easily target it with Kiva's Guidance and your own Dark Vision. Um, so with Excellent. that... Each of you watch as, following Kiva's Guidance, uh, Amity lifts a hand and begins speaking the words of a tale. You watch as, around her, the shimmering, silvery silhouette of the Great Wolf appears and then snarls a roar of defiance, a sound wave that travels through the air and smashes directly into the rooftop atop which the vampire spawn lingers. You hear the cracking and splintering of wood and thatch, the shattering of uh, brick. And 18 thunder damage, okay. Uh, with that, you watch as immediately a section of the rooftop almost seems to implode as this shockwave booms erupting from within it. Akiva, you watch as the silhouette of the spawn immediately thrashes, aiming for purchase, is going to make a dexterity saving throw. Come on. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that was a public roll, but yes, that is a yeah. natural four. Um, with that, you watch as... There's simply a explosion of force, and the rooftop suddenly crumbles. You, Kiva, you watch as the entity's silhouette vanishes down into the interior of the hole that Amity's spell just created. Oh, shit. Can she, inside like, kick the, the front door in and get inside the house? All right. Uh, I would say that, yes, uh, together you can make your way around that direction. Yeah, she's going to try to, like, get on top of it and just stab, 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 stab. Okay, uh, speedily, you make your way down the alleyway, searching, hunting for a uh, place uh, to enter through. Soon enough, you come upon a wooden door uh, obstructing the way, but clearly facing the exterior of the structure. As you do, you slam into the side of it, finding it to your gratitude, seemingly half-rotted in its frame, presenting little obstruction to passage within. As you do, you, the rest of the others rush in after you into the structure. And as your eyes adjust to the darkness, you see within a dark... Uh, a light structure. Faded. A very <laughs> structure. Thank you. You see toward you a... At the center of this area, a pile of debris of rubble and thatch mixed with shattered bits of brick and splintered wood. Around the walls, you see uh, old bits of cracked and faded furniture rotted away with age, a straw mattress that seems to quiver in the darkness. You see on the opposite side, um, what seems like a table overturned on its, on its end. And up above you, the silvery light of the moon piercing very faintly through the clouds through the massive hole torn through the top of the roof illuminating at the very base atop the pile of rubble a somewhat disoriented looking creature you recognize the ragged stained clothes the pale flesh and dark eyes as you see the yellow claws kind of scrabbling for purchase you see the eyes flash toward you, and then you find that the clothes are more familiar than you thought. 
no longer crouched up the rooftop, you can now see that they appear to be, or have once been, robes, but not simple robes, but long, white, priestly vestments. Running down so the sides with white and uh, faded, now torn and bloodied cords of gold that run down the sleeves and chest. And immediately as the face jerks up toward you, eyes filled with burning hatred and a terrible hunger. Metreon, you recognize the unmistakable face. Though the throat has now been ripped, partially ripped away, a terrible wheezing gasp echoing from the ragged bloody lips, fangs flashing in the radiance of the sun sword. The unmistakable visage of Father Lucian. And that is where we will take a quick break. Okay. <laughs> yes, please. Rude. I'm going to go cry now. I'll see you guys later. Yep. Yeah, understandable. Have a nice day. Okay, then. So we will pick this back up after a quick 15 minute break. So we hope you do enjoy and we will see you all back here soon. 